The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Daikin on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, house swapping in Hoth, we'll be chatting to a homeowner who wants to swap his house, maybe with yours. Sean Defoe, News Talk's political correspondent, on what the budget might have in store for homeowners, renters, landlords, mortgage holders. Stay tuned for that. Open House Dublin, the free festival of architecture, takes place over the next nine days across the city and county. And Denise O'Connor on transforming your spare room into a hobby zone. If you'd like to make contact with us on the podcast or suggest any guests or topics you'd like to have on or even react to anything we have done, well, then please do that. We are available in two ways. The home show at newstalk.com is the email. They are all read during the week. And I'm over on Instagram at any time at Sinead Ryan 100. And you can find me there. And you are very uh, welcome along to this week's podcast. Now, the last uh, few years have uh, taught us, if nothing else, uh, that we can indulge a little bit, maybe more of our pastimes and hobbies and all of that. And of course, some people took the opportunity during those pandemic years to chuck in their job uh, and set up a business maybe that involved their passion project, whether it's collecting model cars or doing yoga or, you know, building crafts or whatever. So I am looking forward uh, later on to chatting with Denise O'Connor, who does just this for a lot of her clients. They have a passion, they have a hobby and they have a little bit of space at home that they want to transform to indulge it. So do listen uh, into that. I must say I had notions of setting up a kind of a reading room, a little library corner. I don't have a library. I don't have a house that's big enough. But I did create a little corner with a comfortable chair and a rug and somewhere to put a cup of coffee and my bookcase and it is just perfect and I love it. So uh, do listen on for that. It is um, coming up later on in the show and if you've done that if you've a passion that you have managed to indulge in a space in your home get in touch with us. Let us know what it is and even send us in a picture to the home show at newstalk.com. You're very welcome along this morning. My first guest, Hoth resident Robin Blandford, has been on the lookout for the right house in Hoth for over a year. But there's been very little for sale. He and his wife are now suggesting a house swap. Could your home be the one they're looking for? Robin joins me now on the line and you're very welcome to the home show. Tell me a little bit about Hillcrest Cottage. Sure, absolutely. We moved into Hillcrest back in 2016 um, and it's it's sort of Edwardian era Fisherman's Cottage in the, the, the fishing village of Hoth. Um, when we moved in, it was in reasonable condition, but we decided to do a full renovation on it. And so what we've done is completely uh, restyle the house, uh, new insulation, uh, smart electronics. The work's gone throughout it. Um, it's, it's now a lovely little home uh, with a south-facing garden in the village. So you've decided... You're, you're staying in Hoth, and we'll talk about why in a moment, but what made you consider a house swap rather than a straight sale? Yeah, we, we've been looking for a house in Hoth for over a year now, and it's a real struggle. Um, the market's very slow, and we've been waiting to list our house. So we've been watching and watching and watching, and there's just been nothing coming up. So we decided, well, we'll, we'll put ours in the market and see what we can maybe make move from that. Now, mm. I would say we're open to all types of bidders, not just house swaps. So (laughs) we're not excluding anyone. Um, It may be even that they're able to give us time in the transaction or maybe 
the bidding gets high enough where we're comfortable to rent in the gap where we're searching. Or maybe our house comes up tomorrow and we're, we're sale agreed tomorrow as well. Mm. So, we're, we're open to all sorts. Now, the house swap is very interesting, though. Certainly something we're considering. And I suppose this reflects how popular Hoth and its environs are. I mean, you know, obviously the property market is is uh, high everywhere at the moment. But uh, for somewhere like that, coastal region, you know, nice high-end properties, uh, people don't want to move. They're, they They seem happy to stay put. I think a lot of it is there's a complete lack of stock for people who want to right size into something smaller. Mm. And uh, I mean, we see that massively. We've been watching since we bought and very little similar has come up in in the years we've been there. Um, We've outgrown it in size. We've had two children since we we purchased it. And we're looking for a bigger family home. And we know there's people in them who are looking for the opposite. They're looking to move down to a three bedroom. Mm, mm. So tell me what it is you're looking for in return. So if you had an ideal home in Hoth to move into, what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're looking for a a large enough family home. Um, My involvement in Hoth is in the Coast Guard, so Mm. I'm on call in in the area for for responding to emergencies and and try and be local as much as possible. And That's part of why we're looking in the Hoth area. but but really, that's a, we're, we're open to consider anything that, that matches that criteria, um, of and somebody who'd equally like our home with a you know nice garden, uh, uh, south facing. It's all those little pieces that are important. So somebody maybe who's grown their family and now they're living in a house a little bit too big for them, but they want to stay in the area. And now you mentioned the Coast Guard there, Robin, and of course that is the key reason that you need to stay put. Tell me a little bit about your uh, work and, you know, is it is it vital that you do live in the area because of that? Sure, yeah. So the, the Coast Guard is a volunteer position, actually. Um, I also run a, a company based in house. But the, the Coast Guard is, we've 30 of us who volunteer in the Hoth area. We're based out of the Hoth Harbour. And we all wear pagers. And if we're requested to go to a rescue, either on the cliffs or at sea, on the coast, then everybody's pager goes off and, and we go down to the harbour to start to start that rescue. So so everybody largely lives very local or works very local um, as part of that. It's very tying, and although it is incredibly laudable that you would volunteer for that position, what, what is it that makes you want to do that? Uh, I, I think I've been involved in the local community in Hoth for uh, my whole life. Um, it came up through scouts in the area and, and that's what got me interested, probably in first aid. And that went through to studying some medical qualifications and all the way through into the, into the Coast Guard doing rescue. Um, so I, I've done it my li- my whole life. I've done it since I was eighteen, um, and uh, yeah, I love it. it. It's it's both my uh, my volunteering contribution to the community. It's turned into my social group. It's turned into uh, a whole section of the community for me. It's fantastic. And what kind of rescues do you get called out on? You you, you mentioned there cliff rescues. This is people maybe hiking or mis- taking a misstep and and fallen off the cliff or, or, or is it boat rescue as well or, or is it just in mix. the cliffs? Yeah, it's a mix. We do both both at sea uh, and on the cliffs. Uh, so a, a lot of it in, in Hoth, it's probably 50-50, a, a mix of uh, tourists who get into difficulty, whether on the cliff path, climbing up 
the wrong path and they get crag fast halfway up. But unfortunately, we also get a lot of missing people who come out to host. Uh, and that's something we deal with quite a lot. Mm. Mm. Well, it's very, very important work. And of course, Hoth would be sad to lose you then as a result. Uh, so that's why you want to stay put. Now, tell me about um, wh- what might happen if you do find somebody maybe who's listening to the home show who says, actually, that suits me. We want to downsize. We're living in a house that's too big for us. And we also want to stay in Hoth. How does that process work? I know it's also on sale uh, through Sherry Fitzgerald, but have they indicated how, how that um, kind of swapping uh, process would work from a legal or a kind of paperwork point of view? Yeah, sure. sure. So f- from a, a legal point of view, it's it's straightforward. There's no difference in, in the normal sale. But we sell our house to them. Uh, they sell our house to us. Um, really what's going to happen in the transaction is the money will move one way. Um, we pay the difference to the person. Okay, so, so they would take your house and then a lump sum from you. It, Exactly. Okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, and is there any, there's no, so there's no mismatch, so, so it's very straightforward. You pay your, whatever your stamp duty for the transaction, yep. but you're not, you're, you're involving a lawyer, obviously, but, but really then it's no different. It's just part of the consideration, part of the price paid is a house rather than money. Exactly. So somebody end up with a, a house in Hoth Village with, with, if they're moving from it, I mean, we're looking for a house with a nice garden. We've got that, but, but on a smaller house in the village in Hoth. You're, you're right two minutes to the centre of the village and all the shops, um, off-street parking. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's looking for those conditions, it's a smaller version of what they have in a larger house. Ours is fantastic for that. So they'll, they'll end up with lumps of cash and our house. Right, OK. Well, it certainly see you've made it sound very attractive. Do you think other people might find this idea uh, the way to go forward if they want to stay in a particular area? I, I think it's interesting. I think I think the um, what what what's needed is sort of opening up the market that there's more moving. I, I just know the the issue here is that there is nowhere. If you're from the area of home, mm. there's there's really few options if you mm. want to have a smaller home. Mm. Um, they, they just don't exist. Yeah. Um, you're 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 buying a project and you're buy you're looking into a major refurb. Um, Mm. Uh, and adding in a couple hundred thousand on top of whatever yeah. you purchase. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, it may uh, certainly uh, provoke some people into thinking uh, along the lines uh, of what you're doing, a house swap. Now, uh, Robin's house, uh, Hillcrest Cottage, can be viewed on Sherry Fitzgerald. It's also for sale, as you said, for 895,000 uh, if a swap doesn't suit you. But he's he's made it sound uh, very attractive uh, to buy. Uh, Robin, thank you so much for joining us on The Home Show and bringing us up to date on that. Yes, the budget is coming up on Tuesday. It's going to be hard to miss. Uh, we are joined now, I'm delighted to say, by Sean Defoe, News Talk's political correspondent, to talk me through what we might expect uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Sean, you're very welcome along to the Home Show. It must be very windy on the plinth at Leinster House with all the kites that are being flown this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Look, it, it, it's kind of become the tradition, hasn't it, where most of the budgets we think we know at least uh, more than a few days in advance yeah. and everything has been flown up there from, you know, housing to, to tax to everything else. And it's sort of, 
it long gone are the days when there was a big budget secret going in onto the arm on Tuesday. It's all mostly pretty well flagged. <laughs> mostly. And of course, it, with echoes of Michael Noonan, it's the billions and billions budget because mm-hmm. we are told we have all this largesse, although uh, they have been pulling back on expectations in the last couple of weeks. So in terms of housing and property, uh, I mean, look, this is the perennial centre point of, of people's worries, people's concerns um, about what's going to happen and has has anything changed. So let's kick off with... Um, I suppose at the uh, at one end of the scale, it's the building stuff, the big macro stuff, social and affordable housing. There are targets set to be announced. I'm positive on Tuesday. Will they just be new targets or a rehashing of the old ones? Do we think? Yeah, look, that's the thing. I suppose we all, we always get a bit more in the housing budget, but weirdly, compared to the last few years, it's sort of taken a back seat in this particular budget. You've got a lot of other things going on when it comes to what are all the millions of businesses like you mentioned going to be spent on. We've got the cost of living crisis going on, and then these big dark clouds that are roiling on the the horizon that the ESRI and that others have been warning about. And as you say, Michael McGrath and very keen over the last couple of weeks to play down how much money they may have. This idea of a 65 billion euro surplus over a number of years, he said it could be much, much smaller and the falling corporation tax receipts sort of uh, echo that. But housing is one of those areas where that one-soft corporation tax money is sort of perfect for because you're not mm. going to get it again. So why not put it into infrastructure? Yet largely when we've seen the housing budget over the last few years, there hasn't been a huge amount of change. They've said, look, we have housing for all. Here's what we have, and we're, we're going to spend it in sort of the perennial €4 billion Euro with a little bit extra on. And, of course, we know then that the housing department has had trouble even spending that money. So there may well need new targets. The question is over the overall targets, not just for social housing, but for housing overall, because we now know, and it's been acknowledged by the Taoiseach, they're well below what they need to be. They're 30 to 33,000 yeah. a year is not going to do it. We need to be closer to, to 50,000. So whether there will be a full review, there hasn't been a huge amount of talk of that in this particular budget, I think they will keep that for a housing for all of you. Yeah, and of course, you know, the the problem with announcing something in an October budget is that any money you put by now, it could be four years before it's actually spent with all of the considerations and the, you know, that have to be done. And of course, that could be a whole uh, different government in place when it happens. Now, first time buyers... They, um, we, we've two schemes which were brought in in previous budgets, um, the help to buy and then this first home shared equity scheme. Are they likely, do you think, to be retained and or expanded in scope, Sean? Yes, so certainly on the help to buy, the word is that that's going to be extended until the end of 2025. Certainly under this government, it's going nowhere, even though Sinn Féin, for example, and their alternative budget would would do away with it, something that Fine Gael TDs in particular have been very critical of. And it's one of those supports that the feeling is really you can't withdraw it now, that you can debate the merits of having ever done it in the first place mm-hmm. and whether or not it pushed up house prices by that 30000 that that first-home buyer we're getting. Um, but if you withdraw it now, it's not like house prices are going to come down 30 grand and suddenly a whole bunch of first-time buyers have a difficulty even getting that deposit in the first place. The question is whether it's going to be expanded to uh, people buying second-hand homes, because obviously at the moment the criteria is just for those buying new bills. Uh, and there's a bit of resistance to that in government and, and a, a resistance to maybe tagging that inflation that we saw, although they still deny it, that we saw with, uh, with new bills on to second-hand homes. That is the question, but certainly an extension. And I think, yes, the first home scheme as well. Look, that that's something that really only got up and running in the last year. It's certainly going to be funded out through uh, next year and perhaps beyond. We don't have a date yet, but that, that money is going to be there because the whole tack of Darrell O'Brien as housing minister has been to put more money into the market, to put more, more money available to people who are, are buying homes uh, in order to let them get on the ladder, even if that means sort of borrowing off the government through that scheme in the way it is.
Yeah, and I mean, there can't be any doubt, certainly from the opposition, but also, you know, the data itself. It is very draining on the taxpayer and um, price chasing. So if you're putting up your secondhand home for sale and it is now included in this for first time bar, you're going to be thinking, well, I just lob 30 grand onto the price because they're going to get that that free money back. Um, okay, so... And just yeah. this, sorry, one, one final point on that, it makes an interesting but large question that won't come up in this budget but comes up in the context maybe of Sinn Féin being in or, or the next one. Mm. We were in a situation now where the government is so heavily invested in the market every single year and with all these new buyers that I think ever unwinding that is going to be incredibly difficult and will require a brave government in the future to say, actually, you know, the, your mates that got this six months earlier, you're not actually going to get that finance. So mm. it's a weird one where the government is subsidising house buying and I think that that's a very tricky thing to unwind. It certainly is. People get used to it and they like it. Uh, now, one thing that which the government did unwind about 10 years ago or so was mortgage interest uh, tax relief. And uh, there's some suggestion they're going to reintroduce it again as a kind of a cost of living measure with the in- interest rates going up, Sean. Yes. Now, this is not 100% confirmed yet, but certainly a number of ministers suggesting it. Now, it won't be in the way it was in, in the past. It's going to be a new scheme and certainly a more targeted scheme if it does come in. And they're, they're basically looking to target, as, as Minister Simon Coveney has told News Talk in, in recent weeks, those who maybe are at risk of losing their home because of mortgage interest relief, perhaps those on trackers who are suddenly paying you know, hundreds, if not thousands, euro more uh, every single month when they get their mortgage bill in through the door. But it's not one that they want. To, it's not going to be a blanket for, mm. for every household or everyone who has seen a mortgage raise increase. So it will be a targeted measure. How far it goes is the big question, because obviously the whole point of the, the mortgage interest hikes has been to dampen inflation. So if you intervene in the market, you're, you're sort of yeah. working counter to that. And the government isn't necessarily opposed to doing that but wants it on a targeted basis. Yeah, okay. Well, look, let's move into the rental market now uh, because the rent tax credit was introduced €500. Euros. It was increased to um, for every tenant. That's a 1000 quid for a couple. But hard, like a load of people never claimed it, never got it. So it kind of, has it gone off the boil or do you think that they might look at that again? I think they've got to look at it again. They're even talking about increasing it. The figure had been mentioned earlier on in the year that it would double. It would go up to €1,000. Others saying perhaps 800 And that figure hasn't been decided. But like you say, it needs to come with some sort of change or some sort of reform. And I haven't heard any good solutions so mm. far for how that might change. Uh, and obviously, it's a very small number. They're sort of trying to dissect the reason. We've heard lots of different reasons from, from tenants who've spoken to us that, that, you know, maybe it's a case that their landlord just isn't registered with the RTV. They're doing a cash in hand. They're afraid to go to them to get their number and to try and register for it and then to claim that tax credit. Mm. And a certain amount maybe of people not knowing about it or just not wanting to stir the pot with the landlord. So it's a, it's an admirable thing. It's also, I would say, a Sinn Féin uh, thing. They say a, a tax credit worth one month of rent, mm. however you would define that, be it, you, you know, you show your bill or whatever. And certainly the amount is probably going to increase, but there does need to be tweaks to how people can claim it because there's no point in having a thousand euro there if, you, if you're not able to get out. Well, the cynic in me would say that it's something that, that then sounds good in a speech, but it doesn't cost a lot <laughs> if, if lots yeah. of people don't bother applying. For it. You can make it 2,000 uh, if people don't apply for it, then it looks like a very generous measure. So finally then... not going to get the votes of those well, then when it, they come around the next true. year, the other, the other side of that coin. Indeed, indeed. Now, at the contentious seesaw, that is uh, tax breaks for landlords. So on one hand, mm-hmm. the government want to keep, uh, and I'm sorry, I apologise in advance for using the phrase, the mom and pop landlords in the market. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, people hate the idea of fat cat landlords getting a bunch of their hard earned money. How is the government going to square off this one? 
Yeah, such a difficult one. And Darrell O'Brien has been pushing for this since before last year's budget. He didn't get it through. The, the big pushback from the Department of Finance has been, well, you, you're now treating a form of income differently to other income. So, you know, someone who goes out and, and works all day and earns their money with, and earns over 40 grand could still be taxed at more than 50%. And yet you as a landlord, you're sitting on your, your passive income there and you're, you're earning whatever, 25% of the IPOA have calls for, or even on other investments, if you look at the, you know, the shares or dividends or whatever else. And so it's a very, it would be a big move to delineate that. At the same time, Darrell O'Brien is very keen to say there will be something in this budget. Now, how do you go about that? The rent of room scheme is being talked about. Could you expand that and allow people to claim more than €14,000 tax-free? Would that attract more people who are sitting going, I don't really want someone in my house, but hey, if I'm getting this much money tax-free, why, why wouldn't it do it? They're sort of still dancing around that. That row as of now, as I'm talking to you, hasn't quite been resolved. Um, and the, the argument is sort of being had, well, on one hand, yes, we have seen uh, lots of small landlords leaving the market over the last few years, but how much of that is just natural? Property prices are high. People Attrition. maybe never intended to be yeah. a landlord in the first place, mm. went, fell into negative equity after the bust and are just getting out now. It, it's, a, it's a hard one to square, but Darrell O'Brien definitely pushing down the roots of tax cuts. All right. Well, listen, all will be revealed on Tuesday. You'll be there, Sean, uh, on behalf of News Talk, and uh, we will look forward then to finding out what has happened. So, Sean Defoe, thank you for taking time out of your busy pre budget schedule to join us on The Hope Show. Thanks, Liam. Thanks for having me. Open House Dublin, the free festival of architecture presented by the Irish Architecture Foundation is taking place across the city and county from today. The festival has been running for 18 years and this year for the first time all four local authority areas uh, will host different events and there's even one for kids. Well joining me now is Emmett Scanlon, Director of the Irish Architecture Foundation to tell us more. Emmett you're very welcome. Good morning, thank you. Busy time ahead for you. Very busy, yes. For the first time in our history we have nine days of events, tours, workshops, talks right across Dublin. So it's a bigger, bigger than ever event. So we're busier than ever, but uh, very excited about it too. And what is it, do you think, that people like about, now we are kind of the valley of the squinting windows. We do like looking at other people's houses and, you know, we are very invested in our, our kind of historical architecture, are we not? Yeah, I think... Well, I think increasingly people are interested in the way that the world is built around them and they want to have the opportunity to understand how decisions are made, what designers do like architects in terms of, of you know, the decisions that are made. They want to know the process behind uh, behind the world that they live in because everybody exists in and through architecture, mm. even if they don't really realise it every day. We live, we work, we play, we grow up, we get sick. And so it's a real value to everyone. And so when people go and see buildings on the inside as well, they understand how they're used, how people are making home. For example, you mentioned people liking to see behind the closed doors of people's private houses. Of course, maybe we are a little bit curious and nosy about how people live. But also, I think people really appreciate then what good design can do for them when they see it firsthand. People have much better places to live, to work, to watch their kids play when they're cooking dinner, kids to do homework, great Mm. relationships to the garden, storage, all of the ordinary things in life get really considered and then elevated to something that also brings us joy and, and pleasure every time we go home. OK, well, look, let's have a look at some of the things that are going on. Um, we'll start in Fingal because this is already home to the magnificent Malahide Castle, Ardgillen Castle. People are very used to uh, visiting there and they're very well looked after um, places. So what kind of um, things will be uh, on in the Fingal area? 
Um, well, we have, I suppose, lots of developments um, uh, this this year that are new as well as existing ones like you've mentioned, like Art Gillen and so on and so forth. Um, and I suppose the question of conservation and how we're taking care of buildings is something that we're, we're talking about quite a lot uh, across the Open House Festival. So there is uh, visits possible to Malahide Castle, Newbridge House, Art Gillen Castle and the Victorian Glass Houses. And then there are also tours of new public housing development because all of Dublin is building and moving mm, forward too, mm. such as uh, housing in Rollstown and on Mulhuddard. So there's plenty of opportunity there and as always people can find out what's going on in the local area through the yeah, website. Yeah, they're kind of spoiled in, in that whole area for uh, great old houses. Uh, it must have been a very popular place for all the kind of the grand uh, families maybe who who lived outside because that would have been a lot of that the countryside yeah, maybe back been originally, in, in, yeah, when, when that was built. Made it part of Dublin for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, now so let's move now to South Dublin uh, where you're doing another walking tour this time in Tallaght. Well, welcome Dublin South. We're delighted that they've joined us uh, formally and completely this year to the Open House family. We're, we're thrilled in Dublin. It's a very large part of the city. Uh, Tala is a very densely populated and really interesting um, culturally and really interesting diverse part of the city. So the, the, the tour, which is which is uh, available to all, is called the Square in the Round. And obviously it, it triggers this remembrance of the... The, the square in Tala, this mm. iconic, almost iconic building we have there. And the tour, what the tour sets out to do is join the dots between various buildings that are there, um, such as the Tala Civic, uh, Civic Centre, yeah. the Tala Stadium, which is the national stadium for the, for the women's team, for example. And I think very often buildings get... Um, built independently and, you know, on plots of land. And they're according to plans, of course, set out by the local authorities. But it's sometimes hard for us as audience members or people of, of who live around there to understand how things get connected mm. and what the relationships between various buildings are and might be. So the tour is designed and intended to sort of take people through and remind people and show people, maybe also for the first time, what kind of rich cultural and architectural so gems they have like out there. So it's the drone view on, on the street, you know, to exactly. kind of, to kind of yeah. look at the whole connectivity yeah. of, of, a, of such a huge suburb that yes. is Tala. exactly, exactly. Foothills of Dublin Mountain right into an urban landscape. Exactly, and walking tours are always always really popular and if the weather's with us, we're going to be going to be thrilled. <laughs> They're great because people get Fingers outside crossed. and, and yeah. uh, get some exercise All as right. well. Now, in the city centre, of mm-hmm. course, uh, stuffed with architectural gems. Yes. So there's already loads of walking tours, bus tours, you know, I've done a load of them myself. They're, they're fantastic. There can't be anything left unseen. <laughs> well, well, actually, the, the, the Provost House for Trinity, which is the one that's like, it's, you know, people are booking it out the night before it opens. The, people uh, want to see things every year and obviously our population is growing and, and often, in my experience as well, it repeats Buildings repeat visiting again and again because every time you see them, they're they're different. Mm. Um, there are new things on the tour, but also we have a lot of drop-in events this year. Um, uh, so there's a, an exhibition on ageing, um, on housing and reimagining elderhood, which is about a kind of a national project from self-organised architecture. That's going to be in Curve Street, which is the festival house for us this year. And then we have a very interesting project in Grange Gorman by uh, a group of architects called CoLab, who have been looking and um, with various parties um, about the future of the kind of Magdalene laundries in Dublin. Right, and then it's also a very interesting exhibition uh, in the uh, about the Ivy Markets for, for children who have been imagining the future. So um, I think that while some buildings may be familiar, uh, there's plenty of opportunities. St- and, still and loads to, to see. see. Absolutely. You mentioned children there. There's actually, you're running a special series of exhibitions directed at families. Exactly. Families and children and young people. And I suppose in the work that we've been doing in the foundation for the last uh, 18 years ourselves, uh, children and young people's imagination has been core to that. So we we realised and understood the demand and the interest and the opportunity, I suppose, to uh, 
invest a whole weekend in various programs and projects. Um, most of them also are based out in South Dublin, though mm. of course there are tours across and, and events. But the IF is running a number of workshops which are out in South Dublin and are available. Um, if you check the website, there may still be spaces available. And that's really to give uh, children and young people the opportunity to use their imagination, to get involved in discussions about their future and their current built environment. They're very lively, very intelligent, mm. uh, very insightful uh, part of our community who need to have their voices heard and so when you put them to work and give them the opportunity they come up with the most amazing ideas which you know are fantastic and obviously very imaginative but actually kind of give us all hope uh, and, and excitement for the future. Yeah and they are, of course are the future custodians of the existing architecture that they we've are. created. They are the future so clients, they're yeah, the future politicians yeah. they're the future designers, they they're the future their users so, so we need to give them the language and the tools as early as possible so that we can build a better Ireland with them. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay well look that, that uh, cracks on today for the next nine days. Where can people find out more uh, about it? Our website is openhousedublin.com and even if things are booked out uh, on the website keep an eye out because places do become available as registrations uh, I suppose people cancel their plans uh, and also there's always a, a number of things that are just walk up and, and you can just turn up on the day and look so make sure you check them all out Fantastic Alright well that sounds like a busy uh, time ahead and I wish you all the best with it that's Emmett Scanlon Director of the Irish Architecture Foundation Thanks for coming in to studio Thank Emmett You're very welcome back to the final part of The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Uh, We've had a lot going on today. If there's any parts of it you've missed or indeed any shows you'd like to listen back to, they are, of course, up on our podcasts, uh, which are on the Newstalk app uh, or on Newstalk.com, which is powered by GoLoud. You can get in touch with us today by email at thehomeshow at Newstalk.com. And I am delighted to welcome back into studio Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design uh, back in this week. And we're talking, I don't know why we didn't do this before, actually, this kind of item because I was saying at the beginning like a lot of people in the pandemic years involuntarily perhaps you know found themselves at home more often and decided to pursue a hobby and interests maybe over their job and start up a little cottage industry and all that but transferring or transforming some of your house into a a kind of a hobby space can seem indulgent. Yes, exactly. And I think people do think, oh, you know, I couldn't possibly sacrifice that that much space just for myself, you know, and especially, you know, moms tend to do so much and dads nowadays for, for everybody else. So to sort of be selfish and sort of reclaim a little bit of space for themselves just seems a bit extravagant. Really. Yeah, because you're, you can, there might be that feeling that unless, OK, it's different if I'm setting up a business because yes. that way I'm making money yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas if it's just something that kind of indulges your your collections or you yes, know, something, it can exactly. feel a bit much. Yeah. But we are here to indulge those people, Denise. Absolutely. Um, and I know you've probably loads of clients that you do this for that have a space dedicated to something in particular. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I do see it. I think it's it, it sort of depends on the stage of life people are at. So, you know, when people have young kids and life is super busy. Everything's a playroom, isn't it? Everything's <laughs> a playroom. Yeah. And, and you're sort of, you know, you're moving through life so quickly, you, you don't have time to stop. But I suppose what, what we tend to see is that people who maybe, you know, their kids have moved out, they're moving out to go to college or whatever that may be. Then they start thinking, well, you know, I have a little bit more time on my hands. 
I've always wanted to do this. Why not dedicate a space? Like, mm. particularly, we would get people looking for um, space to paint. We did a pottery studio recently. Um, so it can be anything, yeah. you know, anything and everything. Get rid of their bedroom as quickly as you can. Yeah, you know, and, and if take they're not going to rent it out, <laughs> you might as well exactly, use it so exactly. they're not inclined to come back. Yeah. Okay, so look, let's get a, an overview then. Whatever your interest or hobby or whatever yeah. it is you want to do, what are the general principles that, that would apply? I suppose it's first of all, make sure whatever space you're thinking about using is fit for purpose. So you don't want to start, um, you know, I don't know, maybe drums or your passion or something <laughs> like that. So you don't want to go and create this fabulous space, kit it out perfectly, but everyone in the house is just miserable because you've taken this up. So, you know, think about if sound is going to be an issue, you want to soundproof, maybe think about the location of the room. Um, all of these things are really important. And then it's really also light actually is super important to so say for painting, things like that. Mm. So just make sure it works. That space is going to work for whatever pursuit you're interested in. And I suppose that you're going to get use out of it. I mean, exactly. we've all been in the position where yeah. we've signed up to a gym membership yes. and then gone three times and it turns yes. out to be the most expensive thing we've ever done. So if it's a hobby that you only do once a week, yeah. having a dedicated room for it might just be a step too far. So yeah. maybe you know, kind of consider both the budget, but also am I actually going to use it? Are you going to use it? And then as well, flexibility is key. So like, okay, sometimes kids move out and they don't come back. More often than not, they do. So, you know, maybe if it is a bedroom that you're repurposing for your own space, try and think of ways that it can it can be a flexible space. So make it, it can be a bedroom, can be quite easily turned back mm. into a bedroom mm. when the child returns but then it works equally well for you for whatever your hobby might be. Okay, all right. That's that's good advice. Now, I know we've had lots and lots of times on the home show we have featured people who collect things. Yes, yeah. Collectibles, whether it's dishes and plates or yeah. Barbie dolls or yes. motor car, little kind of um, kind of matchbox cars yeah, or whatever. Yeah. People absolutely love their collections. Yes. And the thought of having a dedicated space to go in and store it all and look at it is very attractive to those people. Yeah. So talk to me about what that kind of a room might hold. So I suppose storage is going to be key. And what I would, you know, if your budget allows, the absolutely best solution is going to be going for a bespoke storage solution. So that way, that storage unit can be completely customised to whatever it is that you're storing. Because not all shelves are going to work. So if your collectibles are tiny little things, little knickknacks, uh, or if you have really big pieces, whatever that might be, it's going to be tricky to find something off the shelf. So I'd encourage you to just consider going bespoke. It will be more expensive to start with, but you get way more bang for your buck. And it will mean that even if you've got quite a small space, it can be totally customised to, to maximise the space that you have. OK, so if you wanted collectibles that you wanted one pair division or, or a three exactly. pair section, yes. that a, a carpenter will come in and actually create that for you in a stylish way. Exactly. And then anything that's associated with it that maybe isn't so attractive, you could have concealed doors. So you can really customise it so that it looks absolutely beautiful. But it's really, really practical and yeah, functional too. Yeah, a bit like too. a kind of a museum thing. Yeah. And in terms of then colour, Denise, yeah. because I mean, you don't want the shelving to be the, the centre of attention here, no, unlike no. maybe a downstairs yes. where you're displaying the odd few yeah. things. Yeah. Um, you want it to kind of blend. Yeah. So I know a lot of people are a big fan of painting the wall and shelving the same colour. W yes. Would that be a way to do that? Yeah, there's sort of two rules of thumb where you don't want the shelving to, to stand out. I'd either go with, as you say, painting it the same colour as the wall, which is really lovely. It just all blends. Or you paint it the same colour as your woodwork. 
because it'll be a joinery piece. So the same colour as your skirtings, your architraves and your mm. doors. And then again, it just blends, blends beautifully. Into the whole. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it looks co- custom made, which of course it will be. All yeah. right. Yeah. So that's kind of collectibles. And uh, a lot of people like to collect... Um, I mean, I don't know, what, what are you seeing? Vinyl records and... Yeah, of course they're using those. Well, I, I have a husband who collects motorbikes and I'm not joking <gasps> you, so he loves... Proper, full-size one? Full-size oh, motorbikes. no. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's a big <laughs> We have space. so many bikes, yeah, but he's always working on them, so there's always bits and pieces. So okay. those kind of items, I highly recommend keeping outside of the house. Some sort of shed, yeah, it's yeah. ideal Lived experience there, yes, Denise, I'm absolutely. guessing, right? Okay. <laughs> now, so we need a little zen moment now after that. Yeah. So a lot of people now, and this would probably be the one I'd go for if I had such a space and was feeling indulgent and yeah. it'd be a yoga or Pilates yes. room yeah. and I know during uh, the pandemic of course everybody who was doing this moved online to do it and look I mean what do you need you need a mat yes. and a floor yeah. Yeah. but yeah. there is something lovely about having that quiet zen space yes. and I know a lot of the bigger houses now uh, are featuring those kind of home gyms or that that kind of yoga space yeah. so Talk to me a little bit about what you'd go for there. So, I mean, not everybody's going to be able to create a home gym or a, a yoga studio in, in their house. Like that, that would be a fabulous aspiration. But the reality is for most people, it'll probably be be in a room that you're using for something else. So often we would see people's home office would have that kind of counterbalance of a yoga space or workout space. So first look at the plan, the, the layout of the furniture in the room. I'd, I'd suggest getting rid of anything that you don't need. So if you have, for example, got a desk, maybe just keep your desk, but make sure then there's loads of space for your yoga and mm. whatever you want to do. The old treadmill desk has become very popular. The really? walking desk. Really? Yeah. I know somebody in my family who has one and they have a treadmill under the desk and they just walk while they're at oh the standing desk. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Wow. So they're getting okay. the work and the work out <laughs> at the same go. Um, no, that that's fascinating. No, I honestly, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that at all. But yeah, with the yoga room, I would suggest then colour wise, keep it lovely and calm mm. and neutral. That's going to work for a home office as well, like brighter, fresher colours are really, really good. Um, Your lighting is important. So, you know, maybe you like to do yoga in the evening. I'd suggest maybe um, being able to dim the lights in in the room so you can create ambience. Mm. Um, And then it's just like I'd introduce music or something like that can be really nice to have. And have everything to hand or candles or whatever it is that you like and have it ready to go. All right. Okay. Um, Right. That's good. And a few plants never go miss somewhere like that as well. Plants are fantastic. And they're really good in, in terms of purifying the air and just bring life to the space. So they're always a great investment, but remember to water them. <laughs> yes, I yeah, know. When yeah. they're upstairs, you kind of tend to forget. You do tend to forget. So crafts now, hugely yeah. popular. Knitting, yes. sewing, embroidery. Yeah. Yeah. You might need a sewing machine. You might have loads yes. of things around the place or you yeah. might be making model aircraft or things like that. So yeah. that's a much more functional space. Much more functional. Um, you need proper layout space to so be realistic about the, the size of desk or, or countertop that you're going to need. Um, I'd say, you know, for things like sewing or anything that requires heavy equipment, it's a little bit like the appliances in the kitchen. If they're out of sight, it's going to be very awkward to kind of find them and 
as you were saying earlier, just just enjoy your craft, start doing it, using it, so you, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So maybe find a way to display these things and make them easy to access. And then for all the little bits and pieces that are associated with the crafts, those clear boxes that you can get, you know, you can get them for jewellery, for kids, yeah, Lego, all this yeah. sort of stuff. Threads or needles yeah. or, you know, glues or whatever exactly. it is Exactly. And for. try okay. and display them nicely because, you know, if it looks nice and inviting, you're going to be more inclined to a lot of those crafts, it. like they fiddly bits, don't they? Yes. And, and yes. you want to make sure that they're tidy and stored. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that will be a light, bright space. Um, yes you know, with plen- with all your stuff organised. Organised, in, in exactly. That. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, audio rooms, home cinemas, you yes. know, dens, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. where people can go yeah. and stick on the earphones or watch, you know, a big screen or something. Or sport. Very popular. So popular and so accessible now. So that used to really be a super luxury item. I mean, very few people had home cinemas. Um, but now with things like projectors, drop down screens, even a big blank wall, you can easily create a really impressive sort of home cinema experience um, in your own home. So again, for that, acoustics are really important. Um, So that can be anything from ideally you would try and soundproof the space a little bit. If not, things like making sure you have rugs, you can do things with interlining on your curtains, sound baffles, that kind of thing. Um, But then as well... um, Sun shading is really important. So blinds on the windows. Oh, yeah, because you might yeah. be looking, you, you might want to do it in the, the dark. Exactly. <laughs> or even if you're just in a very bright room, that's going to impact, mm. you know, especially if you've got a projector, how how well you can see what's yeah. what's being projected. Yeah. So making sure you've adequate blinds and sun shading is good too. Okay. And then my own favourite, finally, would be... Um, a, a kind of a reading room, yes. a library. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always envious when you watch movies, you know, like Downton Abbey or you yes. know, whatever, Remains of the Day, and you see these vast libraries, untouched books yes. over the centuries. Yes. Yeah. You wonder whether half of them are real or not. Yeah. And um, you just kind of think, there's my weekend. Yeah. Just there. Yeah, fabulous. No, it is. It's really lovely. And I think, again, you know, all of these things tend to get hidden away or people like we've so many clients who have boxes and boxes of books yeah. just don't know where to put them. So again, bespoke storage is fabulous and, and go mad, you know, like wrap the room, really create mm-hmm. that library feel because if, if you know, and especially space up and over the door, around a doorway can be really, really lovely way oh, to Oh yeah, okay. So above a door, yeah. the architrave. Yeah, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And then finally the bars. Well, of course, everybody was putting in a bar in their back yeah, garden. <laughs> <laughs> to to varying degrees of success or yes. not. Are they still popular, Denise? Uh, the bars less so because, again, it's a lot of space, you know, and I yeah. think people now are, enjoy going out. They enjoy getting out of the house. But what are really popular are the cocktail cabinets. Yes. So incorporating yeah. those into a kitchen Or even the space. trolley. Or the drinks trolley. Yeah. yeah, really easy way to create something that looks really fun and is super practical. I mean, if every pub has a gin bar, you might as well have one at home. Isn't Why not? Yeah. <laughs> OK, we've ended on a tasty note there. Yeah. I'll, I'll incorporate it into my library, I think. It's the gin trolley. Ideal. Ideal. <laughs> ideal. Thanks yeah. for that. Uh, voter confidence. Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design. And you are, of course, uh, on Instagram, Optimised Design. And uh, people can find you there with all of those great hints and tips. And that is all we have on uh, on this latest episode of the Home Show podcast. It's been lovely to have your company for the last hour or so and uh, we hope that you'll join us next time. If there's any elements you've missed or any shows you've missed in the past, they are all up on the News Talk website on newstalk.com or on the app which is powered by Go Loud or wherever you get your pods from and you can go through our greatest hits 
back catalogue <laughs> and if there's anything you'd like to get in touch with us about please do so you can email us at the home show at newstalk.com or you can write to us at newstalk Diggs Lane uh, Marconi House Dublin 2 and we do like to get the cards and letters that you send in to us as well uh, and uh, my thanks this week to Eva Breen producing Stephen McLoon was on sound and we'll do it all again next time The Home Show with Sinead Ryan Saturday morning at 8 with Daikin on News Talk.